Uh, if you're new to Homewood, we're in a series called Grow, and I uh, want to invite you to be pulling out your Bibles. We're going to be turning uh, to that passage here in just a moment. Uh, I also want to invite you to be a part of today's Bible class, uh, which is the conclusion of a series that Dr. Brian Pruitt has been leading us through on behalf of the shepherds. And I just want you to know that today's lesson, it, it, you don't have to have been to the other classes in order to, to get the, the message of today's lesson. So I really want to encourage you, if you were not planning on coming to class, um, be a part of that. Today's the last day that we're going to be all combined. We'll be talking about what's coming next week in a few moments, but uh, really I'm thankful for Dr. Pruitt and uh, his walking us through this series these past few weeks. The series Grow that we've been invited ourselves into a few weeks ago has really been walking through uh, our mission. And, and what we have determined is that the church doesn't uh, need uh, to have a mission, uh, but the, the mission needs a church. And so that's what we've been talking about really the past uh, few weeks. And all of these things behind me you'll see are these next steps that we have identified as what it calls us to, to, to make and grow followers of Jesus. That's been our mission. That's been our mission for years. That should be the mission of every church. What does it mean to make and grow followers of Jesus? And in particular, what does it look like to be a growing follower of Jesus? And today I want to invite us to consider why in order to grow, we must become a people who give generously. So a few weeks ago, I was at Lowe's uh, where I spend more time than I care to admit these days. Uh, but I had made my way to the self-checkout line because I'm a glutton for punishment. I don't know why I go to the self-checkout line because every time I go to the self-checkout line, something goes wrong and I have to call somebody over. And quite frankly, I look like an idiot. And so um, I, I try to avoid the self-checkout line, but, but that's just where I go because it, there's nobody there. And there's a reason nobody's there, right? Because it never works. So I go to the self-checkout line, and I'm here in Lowe's, and I, 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 call, I call the lady over, and, and she's so, so kind. She comes over, and she begins working on my situation. And then all of a sudden, she just, she just looks up. And she's, I mean, she's literally right here in front of my face. And she says, well, well don't, don't you look cute and warm? <laughs> and so at this time, I'm, I don't often blush. But at this time, I start kind of pulling my hand out of my pocket, my wedding ring hand. And I just start combing my hair with my wedding ring, you know, to try to, you know, let her know. And then, and then I finally fumble something out of my mouth. I say something like, you know, well, you know, it was kind of chilly outside today. So I put on this coat and all that stuff. And she just looks at me with disgust and says, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to the two babies behind you in the stroller. And I'm like, why would I think you're talking to me? You're looking right at me. And sure enough, I turn around and there's two of the cutest babies you've ever seen in your life in a double bob stroller, all bundled up, uh, you know, ready to, to take care of business. So I thought about that story and I was thinking about how, isn't it interesting how we have a propensity to make things about us? I mean, just when you think about it in our, in our lives, we, we like to make things, if you're honest, we like to make things about us. And certainly we have to do certain things for us. We have to eat. We have to work, 
practice hygiene, self-care. Those are things that we have to take personal responsibility for. But when it comes to our time and our talents and even our treasures, when it comes to our, our calendar, when it comes to our gifts, and when it comes to our money, what is human nature? Uh, if you've raised, raised children, it doesn't take long to discover what the human condition is. Uh, w- one of the first words that little children learn is what? Mine. Mine. I mean, and, and let's be honest, parents. I mean, we, for those of you who are parents, it, it, we would be a little concerned if like the first words that came out of our children's mouths were give, share. I mean, that we would be like, who is this child, right? But what, what do we hear most often? Mine. Maybe you're familiar with the 10 property laws of a toddler. If I like it, it's mine. If it's in my hand, it's mine. If I can take it from you, it's mine. If I had it a little while ago, it's mine. If it's mine, it must never appear to be yours in any way. If I'm doing or building something, all the pieces are mine. If it looks just like mine, it's mine. If I saw it first, it's mine. If you're playing with something and you put it down, it automatically becomes mine. And then number 10, if it's broken, it's yours, right? These are the 10 property laws of a toddler. And I I confess that when I was a baby preacher uh, about 10 years ago, uh, that this area that we're talking about today, giving generously is the one that made me the most nervous. Because I did not want the church to look upon me and think that I had some ulterior motive in preaching that message. But once again, I've discovered we like to make things about us. And when I began searching the scriptures, and particularly the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, what I found was that Jesus talks about money more than anything except the kingdom of God. And so as I've pondered that over the years, giving generously becomes not just about money. So how will we choose to follow Jesus in this way? How we choose to follow the Lord who is on record in Acts chapter 20 of saying it's more blessed to give than to receive. And if you begin to follow Jesus in his life, what you'll notice is that he lived and he demonstrated this verse throughout his entire ministry. This is who he was. This is who he is. And so if this is the one that we're claiming to follow, if this is one that we're claiming to walk in the dust of, then how are we going to order our lives toward his? In his book, Giving the Good Life is the Good Life, author Randy Alcorn says this, that surprisingly, the Bible doesn't talk that much about how giving changes the lives of its recipients. More often, it talks about what giving does for the one who gives. So I want us to consider three realities that will begin to transform our hearts in this area or may maybe deepen the transformation that you've already gone through in this area. And the first is this, is that God is first, the first and most generous giver. 
So if you're taking notes, I would encourage you to jot these down, reflect on these later, maybe in your connect groups. God is the first and most generous giver. Because I don't want us to, to start with us. That theologically speaking, what we learn is that the divine nature that we see in the, the Trinitarian goodness of who God is, God who is Father, who is Son, who is the Holy Spirit, what we begin to see is this nature, this character of being a giver. One of the verses that several of us grow up learning, or maybe you've not heard it, but it's a verse that you're familiar with because you've seen it at ball games, John 3:16. For God so loved the world that he what? That he gave. He gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. We see the nature of God the Father who is a giver. 2 Corinthians 8, starting in verse 8. I'm not commanding you, Paul says, but I want to testify the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that through his poverty we might become rich. The Son of God was a giver. Romans 5, 5, and hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. The best parting gift ever, the Holy Spirit. The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, they, they dwell in perfect unity as what? As givers. And so if we do not start there, if we do not recognize, again, theologically, that this is where, where we begin, then we are just going to become like anybody else who can just give here or give there. And, and people do that all the time. But what is it rooted in? It's rooted in God who is a giver. And so Jesus said, you have to choose. This is a passage that's been mentioned a few times already this morning in, in Matthew chapter 6. And I've revisited this part of the Sermon on the Mount a few times because Jesus says, do not store up these treasures on earth, but rather store up treasures in heaven. Then he goes on to say in verse 24, what? No one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Notice that Jesus doesn't say you can't serve both God and Satan. He says you can't serve both God and money. It's as if Jesus knew this Thing that would be asking for our allegiance. And so he makes a point to point out the difference, what at the first of that section about these two sorts of treasure. You have two, two sorts. Second, he makes sure that your lamp is, is shedding light and not darkness. And then finally, Jesus says that you can't serve both. That this is not a, a both and situation. It is a either or scenario. And what Jesus is saying is that Money can give orders. Money can become a boss if you allow it to. But if you have your priorities right, there's only one boss, and his name is Jesus. 
And I, I continue to come back to this passage because Jesus does not budge on this. He, he does not give any room for uh, maybe a little bit here, okay? There, there might be, be something that, you know, the, the two may be able to coexist in some way, but no, he, he doesn't allow that budging of this particular concept, even if it meant seeing potential disciples walk away. So in all three of the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and they're just called synoptic because they're synonymous in a lot of ways. And so theologians refer, refer to them as the, the synoptic gospels. But in all three of these, we see this story of a young man that every church would want to have. He's young, he's powerful, he's wealthy. He's probably in the top 40, under 40 in the Judean times. I mean, he's one of these kind of guys. And every church would love to have this guy. And so he makes the decision, hey, I want to follow this Jesus. And so he, he comes up to Jesus and says this, this what, what, what must I do? You know, and, and, and Jesus asked him, well, have you, have you obeyed all the commandments? He says, I've obeyed all of them. I've done all the right things. And so Jesus looks at him and says, well, just one thing that you like, and that's go sell everything you have and, and give it to the poor and then come follow me. And all three of the gospels say the same thing. They say that this young man walked away sad. And, and Jesus doesn't run after him and say, oh, whoa, 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 whoa. I, I just meant that metaphorically. <laughs> You know, I, I was, I, I, you're taking that the wrong way. Oh, this, this young man walks away sad because what we realize is that there is no discipleship without stewardship. And this guy really had not obeyed all of the commandments because what is the first commandment? You shall have no other gods before me. And he had placed a God before him. Which leads us into our second takeaway for today, and that is that generosity leads us to greater dependence on God. I've shared before that uh, I worked at a movie theater through high school and, and college in order to pay my way through school. And I look back on those times quite often. It's, it's weird. You work at a place for, you know, seven, seven, eight years, and sometimes it, like, surfaces in your dreams. <laughs> you know, like, sometimes I'll have a dream about working at a movie theater. But I want you to couple that with another experience that I had when I was growing up and I was a kid, and that was I would often go with my dad, who was a deacon in the church, and we would collect all the contribution baskets. You remember back in the day when we had contribution baskets, weren't those great? And we would take all the contribution baskets and we would, we would dump them out and we would begin to count them. And, and that was the, the days before online giving, you know, so there was either cash or checks. And I, I remember even as a little kid, like lining up all the $1 bills, lining up all the $5 bills, lining up all the... 
And every now and then there'd be like a $50 bill or something popping there. Now my eyes would get more big, you know, wow, you know. But I remember on more than one occasion, I remember us getting to the end of that time and dad would tally up everything and we would be short. And my, my dad wasn't particularly wealthy, at least if he was, he didn't tell me, he worked at the railroad. But I remember on more than one occasion, dad would pull out extra money. He's already given his contribution, but he'd pull out extra money and put it in so that the church could get by that week. It's always stuck with me as a kid when you see those things. And so when I started working at the movie theater, I made the decision, you know, I was convicted one Sunday because there's this temptation, there was this temptation to think, and I, if you're a college student or young professional, I want you to listen to me. There's this temptation to think, well, well I, will, I will do that one day. I'll start, I'll start giving one day, like when I get a, a real job. And let me tell you, if you've ever cleaned up after people in a movie theater, that's a real job. But I'll do that one day. And the Lord just convicted me and said, today's that day. <laughs> and so I started writing a check every week as a college student. And there were some weeks where, you know, that was, that was tough, you know, because, but it, in faith, that discipline was developed. Why? Because I wanted the same spirit that had infiltrated my dad's heart to be in my heart. And so even when we got married, Lane and I decided that that was going to be a practice of ours every single week. And 15 years later, we are still practicing the art and the blessing of giving. Lastly, I want us to consider how giving accomplishes great things when it's done in love. So Luke, the author of Acts, traces the growth and development of the first church once they are baptized on the day of Pentecost. And once they become sold out to following Jesus, they worship regularly, they connect with God, they live differently, they're doing life together. All these things that we're seeing in the New Testament church. And then Luke will often stop and just occasionally give us this paragraph or this commentary or this overview of how things are going. And this is one of those places. It's a general description of the, the culture of the followers of Christ who lived in Jerusalem. In Acts chapter 4, verse 32. All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them, all that were there were no needy persons among them. For from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them, brought the money from their sales, and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. Church, every day that you and I are either together or apart, we are getting closer or we're getting further away from our treasure. It's just depending on where you put it. And the way to store it wisely is to share it generously. We pray with me. Father, we, we don't want to be generous 
just because we have to. We want to be generous because you didn't have to. You didn't have to share. You didn't have to give, but you did. And you did because that's who you are. So I guess in some ways you had to because it was your character. Father, I pray that we'll be reminded today of the the ultimate gift of your son, Jesus, who went to the cross out of his great love for us. And that giving accomplishes great things when it's done in love. And your love did not keep him there. Your love rolled the stone away, brought him back to life so that we may be able to live and live abundantly. God, we thank you. God, I pray today that we are reminded of what a blessing it is to be a giver, that it truly is more blessed to give than to receive. God, I pray that we'll be mindful of that this very week as we go into our places of work, as we step into our homes, as we interact with our family members, that this message is not just about giving of monetary things, but of giving of ourselves. And Father, I pray that this very week that we will give ourselves away. We pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. If you had a need this morning, if today's the day that you want to be baptized, that may be your next step to come to Jesus and be baptized into him. Maybe you need to pray with one of our shepherds. There'll be one down front. They'll be run back here in this room with their spouse. Come as we stand and sing.